I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, the vaccine that most of us will get has now been approved, ready for rollout. Our vaccination program is on track. After more than a year of misery, disease, business strain and lockdowns, a spring is in the government's step. AstraZeneca is cleared for liftoff. Hello, I'm Stella Todorovic. The vaccine rollout is officially underway and it's going to be a monumental task for our healthcare workers. So 10 News First decided to put on a lab coat and pay a visit to infectious diseases expert Sanjaya Sinanayake to get some answers to the questions on all our minds. Sanjaya, thank you so much for your time. We've been waiting for so long now um, and Monday is almost here. Those first jabs will be given How do you feel about that? You've been, you know, observing and working through this pandemic for a year now. Stella, I am so excited and I still have to pinch myself that we're at this point. If you had asked me a year ago when we started to learn about COVID that we would have a global vaccination rollout already underway and that Australia would be getting its first vaccines next week, I would have said that's not possible. But the fact that we are here shows unprecedented cooperation and innovation amongst medical researchers and vaccine makers throughout the world and governments, public health units. It's just been wonderful. How confident are you in these two vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine? Uh, How confident are you that, that this is the right way to go for Australia? Look, these are both very good vaccines. So they've got high efficacy rates. We're seeing the Pfizer vaccine doing particularly well in Israel. And AstraZeneca is now performing very well when you have an interval of more than six weeks between the doses. The only one where we've got a bit of uncertainty is the South African strain, but that certainly isn't pervasive and widespread. But that makes it really important to make sure that we get the whole world vaccinated so that no other new strains appear that can compromise the vaccines we have. This is going to be an enormous job for every every single health professional right across the country. What's your advice to those nurses and those doctors that will be giving these jabs? And tell me what you feel in terms of Australians feeling nervous or scared about a vaccine. Do you have any words of comfort or confidence for them? I would say with regard to Australians who are considering having the vaccine and and thinking about it a lot and some who are nervous, we're pretty much at about 180 million people worldwide who've been vaccinated against COVID now. And there haven't been 
any nasty or unexpected surprises. So we know that the vaccine side effects that people are likely to get are going to be very transient and largely mild, mainly reactions at the site, and they might feel a bit fluey for a little while, but nothing more serious than that in the vast majority of cases. And I certainly feel confident and I'm looking forward to getting the vaccine myself. And in terms of uh, healthcare workers who are involved in the rollout and administration of the vaccine, this is certainly globally and within Australia, probably the, the biggest public health program we've ever undertaken. So there'll probably be some hiccups, there'll probably be some uncertainties. So I think if any of those healthcare workers have questions or they don't know something, they should not feel uh, afraid to ask and clarify things. You've mentioned that this is the quickest you've experienced a, a vaccination rollout. Yeah. This could very well be the largest and the most enormous rollout in, in history. Would Is that what you'd say? Is that, would oh, it be in look, history? I think this would be, yeah, the most audacious, largest global public health program that has been unveiled in history, uh, wow. without a doubt. So it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And it's a real testament to the hard work of so many groups around the world that we are here. How unusual is it for something like a vaccine to be rolled out so quickly? Um, we think about a year ago, we had no idea that we would be facing a health crisis such as this one. So prior to this, the biggest or the fastest development of a vaccine, so from start to finish, was mumps. And that took four years. So the fact that we are here with not just one vaccine, but with so many vaccines from different manufacturers using different types of strategies to stimulate the immune system is just phenomenal. So Monday, it's, it's here, it's coming, and... I suppose that first jab will be rolled out across aged care centres. We've got the priority groups. The government has very clearly stated the way in which this is going to go. Has there been enough information for Australians? And do you think those priority groups are correct in the way that they've been distributed, the way that the population has kind of been grouped? Look, I think it is the correct way forward with our phase 1A strategy. So we have seen that the biggest risk for COVID getting back into our community is from hotel quarantine. So I think it is very important to vaccinate those hotel quarantine workers right at the start. So that's really good. The other thing we were trying to do from the very start with COVID was to stop our hospital systems being overwhelmed by really sick people with COVID and therefore targeting those people at high risk. So people in residential aged care and people working residential aged care and frontline healthcare workers seems like a very sound strategy that is not only being rolled out in Australia, but in other parts of the world. Talk to me about these outbreaks that we've seen. We've had an outbreak in Victoria over Christmas. We had the Northern Beaches cluster. Mm. The health secretary, Brendan Murphy, mm. said that uh, they're going to have some vaccines ready to go to be able to vaccinate high-risk people if there is an outbreak. Is that the way to go? I mean, is this how we're going to be managing these outbreaks moving forward? Yes. Uh, now, the only thing with using a vaccine in the outbreak setting is that you'll want to ensure that people generally haven't been infected by the time they get the vaccine because the vaccine will take about two, two weeks to 
to kick in. But certainly if you identify people who haven't been infected around cases who are at high risk, then yes, that might certainly help the situation. So so-called ring vaccination strategies, we've, been, we've seen that used with other infections and other vaccines. So close contacts in that case would maybe not fall under the category of getting a vaccination in case of an outbreak because they had potentially been exposed to the virus? Well, they still might, but if that is the case, they might still get breakthrough infection. So they will still have to do their quarantine period. Yeah, so many intricacies. It can be so confusing. Absolutely. (laughs) And where do you see us in a year? So in a year, I would hope that Australia has reached its vaccination target and a lot of other places around the world will have. I have raised concerns before of where the rest of the world will be and we just can't forget the developing world. So organisations have said, such as Oxfam, that there would be 70 poorer countries that by the end of this year would have only seen one in 10 people vaccinated against COVID. The World Health Organisation said we wouldn't have achieved global herd immunity by the end of this year. And the concerns for me around that Uh, that even if we're vaccinated and we've got infections occurring in large numbers around the world, that could generate new strains that are more resistant to the vaccine. And we have to restart from that point of view, which no one wants to do. So I'm certainly not all being doom and gloom. I think we can get this right, but we have to keep remembering the developing world and make sure that they get vaccinated in a timely way too. If the international borders do open within the next year, broadly speaking, there's no real timeline yet. Mm. Is there a a concern about vaccinating Australians, letting them go overseas, and then them bringing back different variants that the vaccine might not uh, cover? Yes, so it'll be really important that different countries around the world continue to do uh, genomic sequencing, so looking at the genetics of the viruses to see if new strains are appearing and how they respond to the vaccine. A, a lot of the new mutations that appear, the vast majority won't uh, affect the vaccine efficacy, but some might. So that'll be really important. If, however, we're finding that we've slowed the rate of infection down globally so much that new strains are taking a long time to appear, then maybe in a year we might start to see borders open and people travelling overseas. But that still means if we've got tens of thousands of people going in and out of a country, then we will probably see some COVID infections coming back in. But hopefully the fact that so many people are vaccinated will mean most people won't get infected. And those that get breakthrough infection despite the vaccine might only get a mild infection where previously they might have gotten a severe one. But there still might be the odd person who might end up in hospital with a severe infection. But I think long term, that's how I see us living with COVID and getting a vaccine booster maybe every year or every two years, depending on how long the duration of immunity lasts from the vaccine. And with that in mind, how achievable is the goal of herd immunity? Can we get there, do you think? It will depend on how many people we get vaccinated. That's what it comes down to. So if we don't get more infectious strains, because if a strain is more infectious, it means we need to get more people vaccinated to achieve herd immunity. But if we get to that 75% mark and we don't see 
more aggressive strains appearing, then we could actually get there. Yeah. I've spoken to a lot of people um, who say that they'll get the vaccination because they want to go overseas. Yeah. There will be some people that don't really want to travel, that are apprehensive about getting vaccinated. We've had a huge problem during the pandemic with misinformation mm. about treatments for COVID, about the, the side effects of vaccines and, and this fear of, you know, what could come mm. from getting vaccinated, what will happen to pregnant women, all of those fears. So what's your message, Sanjaya, to someone who is sitting at home and thinking, oh, no, I don't want to travel, I'm, I don't feel like it, and it's not mandatory, they don't have to get a vaccine, why should they go and get a jab? Okay. So they should get a jab even if they're not going overseas because it will help the general community. And also, as I said, there will still be cases of COVID coming into Australia. And if they are unvaccinated, they might be unfortunate enough to get infected. And they might be someone who doesn't have a mild infection. They might end up in hospital with severe COVID. And even if they have a mild infection, they might, might end up with long COVID. So where we see people having weeks or months of symptoms such as shortness of breath, feeling tired, brain fog, joint aches and pains, not being able to smell or, or taste food. So I think there are good reasons to get vaccinated. And in terms of the safety of the vaccine, you have to remember that we've, as a global community, been doing vaccinations for decades. And only 10% of vaccines ever make it to market. That means 90% fail to meet the standards, which are clearly very strict to being distributed into, into the community. So vaccines are very heavily regulated. Even though this has been unprecedented in the speed with which we've rolled out these vaccines, the trials that have been done have been generally very good. They've been open, transparent, and our regulatory authorities have been able to review them and make sound decisions about them. So in terms of vaccine safety, I would have no problem about getting the vaccine myself and I would urge others to do it. Now, are you concerned we don't have enough doses or do we have plenty? There's been a lot of commentary uh, politically that we didn't act fast enough, that we didn't get enough. Are you satisfied and are you confident that we'll be able to vaccinate the population and get this underway? I think we will have enough vaccine doses in the end to, to do this. Now, whether it'll be the original vaccines we talked about and made deals with at the start, or whether there'll be new vaccines that reveal their phase three trials to be very successful that we negotiate with and have contracts with, it, it may be that. But we should have enough vaccines to vaccinate Australia. Which vaccine do you want to get? Uh, whatever one they give me, Stella, I am happy to get... Uh, now, the two are Pfizer or AstraZeneca. I would be happy to get either vaccine myself, as long as I get a lollipop at the end. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, you know, any it's... nurse would be happy to, to help you out with a lollipop. Yeah, no stickers. I want a lollipop, so... Yeah. Just quickly, is this the highlight of your career in terms of, obviously it has been a very uh, scary and, and hard year. Yeah. Is this the part where you sort of come out of it and go, we're doing this well and I'm, you know, here in Australia where we've handled this very, very well? Look, in terms of my career, I 
never actually thought, even though I always wondered that we'd be in the middle of a pandemic like this, although we always keep saying it's on the card. So it has been a, a surreal and, and terrible and uh, extraordinary experience uh, all, all in one. And I will never forget it. And I will have personally learned a lot of lessons. And I know my fellow microbiologists, infectious diseases, physicians, epidemiologists, public health physician colleagues around the world and vaccinologists will have learnt lots of lessons too. Do you think come the next pandemic, whether or not it's in our lifetime, will Australia be equipped learning from COVID-19 on how to handle the next next pandemic? Yes, I've been on the record as saying that we are writing the textbook right now for the next pandemic. We have learnt so many lessons and at a personal level I have learned so many lessons about how to manage a pandemic so what has happened here over the last 13 months or so will be invaluable moving forward to the next pandemic. On that note thank you so much for your time Uh, it's been great speaking with you and good luck with everything I mean this is going to be a very exciting few weeks. Oh it is it's so exciting and I can't wait for it to start. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.